0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: Welcome back to live, Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. 137 is the time in the KSL newsroom. There has, as you well know, uh, an anti there has been an anti-police sentiment which has been shouted from the streets for the past number of months. Much of it kicked off uh, in late May. Not long after George Floyd was killed, the protests commenced. And they have endured uh, from then until now. And it is just now that we are starting to look at the impact uh, of that attitude towards police. Or at least extrapolating uh, upon all police uh, the attitudes which more rightly uh, ought to be uh, centered on those uh, who are in fact guilty of wrongdoing, not all. But for whatever reason, uh, be it through uh, an anti-police sentiment, morale being low, uh, maybe uh, more officers being assigned to other duties, uh, there has uh, been a terrifying reality observed. And I was made aware of this reality uh, just yesterday. I got an email, and it is a a newly completed research paper in the Legal Studies Research Papers series at the S.J. Quinney College of Law, authored by Paul Cassell. The title of the research paper is Explaining the Recent Homicide Spikes in U.S. Cities, the Minneapolis Effect, and the Decline in Proactive policing. Uh, Paul Cassell uh, joins me now, the Ronald N. Boyce Presidential Professor of Criminal Law and University Distinguished Professor. Uh, Professor, sir, how are you?
1: Doing well, Lee. Good to hear from you.
2: Yeah. Uh, Thank you for making some time for us. You uh, have observed a recent spike in uh, homicide in in U.S. cities. Characterize that for us. What have you observed on on that front?
1: Well, of course, we have the pandemic that struck uh, America in early March and, and social mobility dropped. People kind of went indoors and stayed at home and, and crime, generally speaking, uh, declined uh, during that time. And that's hardly surprising. People weren't out and about. But then uh, social mobility began to pick up and uh, and uh, crime was sort of moving back in its normal direction. But then, in the last week of May, there's a sudden spike. I think it's fair to characterize it as. Uh, uh, in some cities, it was just enormous. In June, uh, uh, I think Chicago's homicides went up uh, more than 50%. Uh, and you see the same thing in a lot of. Uh, other cities, uh, particularly some of our larger cities like Philadelphia, New York, uh, Milwaukee, Minneapolis are, are studies that I've looked at. Just a staggering increase in homicides. And it all begins uh, right after the last week in, in May. And so then the question becomes, you know, what changed in America in the last week of May that uh, might have caused this homicide spike? And, and I think I
2: know the answer putting it into historical terms uh, the the homicide levels that we are seeing specifically the end of may uh, as the as the spike really made itself known how does that compare to say the past number of decades
1: well you know we fortunately in America we've we have been I think a lot of people don't know about it but uh, crime rates have been generally declining for the last decade or two I mean if you go back in historical perspective I think crime was at its height around uh, 1994 give or take when the crack uh, wars were uh, uh, increasing violent crime on America's streets. And so there's been a kind of long-term downward decline. I think it's also fair to say that increased policing, increased incarceration has, has played some role. Uh, but now we've, uh, we're have we just seeing in the last, uh, I guess, actually the last uh, three or four months, just a tremendous spike in homicides uh, that's going up. Uh, I mean, You know, you can measure it in different ways. But one thing that uh, I have family members who live in Chicago, Uh, on May 31st of this year in Chicago, 18 people were killed. And I think it was 50 or more people were shot that that same day. That was the deadliest day in Chicago history going back, I think, six decades. Uh, You go back to the Al Capone era Thing where the number of uh, homicides uh, was as high. It was the deadliest day in Chicago for, as I say, decades and decades. And, and sadly, uh, in Chicago through June and July, uh, you know, that wasn't just one bad day or something. You see extremely elevated homicides in Chicago. And, and again, that's not just one city. It's a, it's a pattern that's replicating itself across uh, a lot of the other major cities in America.
2: Your research paper seeks to identify the the cause for that, and it presents uh, a possible cause. What it also does, and I'm appreciative of this, it walks through a number of potential causes and discounts them based on the numbers. One of the observations that I made, I'm I'm a big Second Amendment guy, right? I like target shooting. I like hunting. I have a collection of firearms. I've built a few myself, uh, and and so I keep a a close eye on the news surrounding firearms. And interestingly, and I haven't yet been able to to understand it exactly, but for whatever reason, at the dawn of this uh, this covid era, once the pandemic struck, uh, gun sales uh, went through the roof. Could 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 gun sales and the you know more guns having been purchased by Americans? Could that be a factor?
1: So some people have tried to say, look, uh, more gun sales, that means more crime. That's what's going on. But uh, the data really does not back up that argument. Uh, I think uh, President Trump declared a national emergency on uh, March 13th, uh, and I think people were beginning to appreciate the, the size and complexity of the COVID issue just a few days before that. And that's when firearm sales began going up. You see a big bump in uh, mid-March, a big bump in April, uh, and now a, uh, an increase as well uh, from late May to June. So we've seen these increases in, in firearm sales uh, spread out over a series of months. But then that can't explain a unique uh, increase in homicides that begins uh, in, in late May. I think it's also important to understand a lot of people overlook this. They say, oh, wow, firearm sales are way up. But, of course, uh, there are many firearms in private hands right now across America. Uh, By some counts, there are 400 million firearms in private hands. uh, So we've seen a recent increase of about 2 million. Uh, in firearm sales that 's a you know the proverbial drop in the bucket, so that really can 't be the explanation for uh, the homicide uh, increases. It has to be something uh, that began uh, right at, around uh, late may and and uh, then continued through at least uh, June and July.
2: Paul Cassell, distinguished law professor at the University of Utah, is my guest. He is the author of the Minneapolis Effect and the decline of Proactive policing uh, explaining the recent homicide spikes in U.S. cities. We have ruled out some causes. Uh, We will take a break now, and when we return, uh, Professor, you and I will walk through what you believe to be the cause of this spike in homicides across U.S. cities right now. Quick break, back with more on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. We are joined. Uh, On the line by Paul Cassell, University of Utah Distinguished Law Professor. He is the author of a study right now which looks at uh, a fascinating piece of data and a heartbreaking one at that. Uh, From the the late March week till now, uh, there has been uh, a spike in homicides across U.S. cities. Uh, professor Cassell, he identifies this as something he calls the Minneapolis effect. Uh, and right now, we'll continue our conversation walking through uh, some of the possible explanations for such a spike and how, through his study, he's been able to uh, discount those. In just a moment, we'll have uh, the professor explain uh, what he feels is the, the cause of this spike, uh, we've ruled out uh, the higher number of gun purchases. Uh, how about rising unemployment? Uh, can can stress like that just lead to lead to this type of crime?
1: Well, unemployment has oftentimes been associated with property crimes, and so uh, you know, obviously, that makes some sense. If people are losing their jobs, maybe they need to commit an economic crime to pay the bills. Uh, but if you look at the unemployment numbers, unemployment. Uh, was at its high point in this country, uh, I think around early May, and then it began declining. And remember, we're looking for something that's going to kick in the last week in May uh, and uniquely cause uh, homicides and shooting crimes to increase, but not other crimes. Other crimes have remained uh, essentially stable across the United States uh, by and large. And so we're looking for something that would increase homicides and shootings, but not uh, not, for example, property crimes. Unemployment really doesn't seem uh, to be a logical candidate for that.
2: How about homicides taking place at George Floyd protests themselves in Minneapolis and other states across the country?
1: Well, you can go through and I think we've all read in the papers or heard on the radio uh, examples of something that went bad at a protest. But we're trying to explain literally hundreds of additional deaths and thousands of additional shootings. And that just hasn't taken place at the protest. The protests have typically taken place in central, uh, uh, the central part of, of different towns like Chicago and elsewhere, The shootings are taking place more on the periphery of of these major urban areas, often disadvantaged or or heavily minority areas that that have been, uh, for various reasons, high crime areas. And so that's where the homicides are being uh, committed. For example, in Chicago, the south and west sides of town is where we see this uh, spike in homicides.
2: You walk through uh, something called a seasonality theory in your paper, and it, uh, it touches on the reality that uh, certain crimes uh, happen to uh, take place at different times of years, that the warm weather uh, kind of gives way to, to this type of crime taking place and other times a year gives way to other time. Could, could the Could seasonality have an impact on this?
1: Well, you can control for that. You can look at what are the historical patterns. Homicides do tend to increase in cities like Chicago in the summertime where people are out and about, and, and some of them get into trouble, and that's when, when the shootings occur. But what we're seeing with these homicide spikes is a nationwide phenomenon, not just in uh, uh, cities that have uh, seasonality, but other cities that, like Austin, Texas, for example, where the weather is, you know, by and large, uh, uh, reasonably warm throughout the year. And so, again, seasonality doesn't seem to be a good candidate for explaining what's going on.
2: There is one remaining elephant in the room, and that is COVID-19. We're in the midst of a pandemic. We've been battling this thing since well before uh, the last weeks of May. Could somehow the COVID-19 pandemic have played a role in this spike in homicides across U.S. cities? I don't
1: think so. Uh, again, the timing just doesn't fit. Remember uh, the national emergency was declared in early to mid March. Uh, everybody uh, we all recall going uh you know going hunkering down and shutdown orders were in place. and you can measure that with things like cell phone mobility data. You can see how much is America moving based on how much are America's cell phones moving. We were at a low point in the first week in April. social mobility was. At its low point, it's gone back up, I don't know, to maybe 80 percent or something of, of where it was before. Uh, there's been a steady increase since the early, uh, uh, early part of April. And so, again, the timing doesn't fit to explain uh, some kind of, of uh, homicide or, or shooting increase because uh, it doesn't, the patterns don't uh, align.
2: We've discounted a number of possible motivations for this increase in homicides, uh, this, this spike, which came uh, late May. What do you propose uh, as the as the motivating factor? Why has this happened?
1: Well, your listeners may have guessed uh, from the title of the paper, The Minneapolis Effect, what took place in the last week of May in America. On May 25th, uh, George Floyd died uh, in Minneapolis while in custody of police. On uh, May 26th, uh, uh, there were uh, there was released a video and some small protests began. And then right around May 27th, we see... Uh, tremendous increase in protests, first in Minneapolis and then all over the country. Uh, People remember uh, late May, uh, Chicago, for example, uh, uh, there are protests uh, that in some uh, measures turned violent.
0: Uh, Looting
1: is uh, uh, part of the protests uh, in New York City on June 1st and June 2nd. Let me be clear. I agree. Most protests were not violent. But when protests are taking place, it's unsurprising to see police officers being deployed. Uh, to those areas to make sure nothing gets out of hand. And while police officers are being redeployed to demonstration lines, that leaves a vacant, you know, uh, that leaves a vacuum uh, in the areas where they used to patrol, and that is exactly where the homicide spikes uh, took place. So what criminologists call depolicing took place uh, beginning in the last week of of May because the police were busy focusing on the demonstrations. And then it continues after that because police officers, I think it's fair to say, were, were under attack, literally, uh, in, in some cities. Uh, uh, and as a result, police officers across America have pulled back. You can see this in the data. You're seeing fewer stop and frisks. You're seeing fewer vehicle stops. You're seeing fewer arrests. And what, as law enforcement goes down, I I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm proving the obvious here, law enforcement goes down, uh, what's going to happen? Well, crime is going to go up, and it's going to go up, particularly in those categories that are most responsive to an absence of law enforcement, and that's shootings and homicides.
2: Why is that? Your paper is titled uh, or The the Minneapolis Effect effect and the Decline in Proactive Policing. Why is proactive uh, policing specifically associated with a decline in, uh, say, gun crime? Crimes, and then the property crimes and the others, uh, the other types of crimes, have, have not seen the spike that, uh, that we've observed in homicides.
1: So let's maybe a definition of terms. Proactive policing is something where the police initiate the action. I think the, the easiest example that your listeners might be familiar with is stop and frisk. Uh, police officers see a bulge in a pocket of someone standing on a street corner known for drug trafficking, they may uh, have uh, reasonable suspicion to pat that person down and, and, and perhaps seize a firearm. So now, uh, and that's something they initiate, the officers, you, rather than getting a 911 call or, or making a routine patrol. This is proactive policing. Uh, and that is the, you know exactly the kind of thing that we, that we would expect uh, to deter the possession of illegal firearms, right? If you're on, on the streets of Chicago and you know the cops are conducting stop and frisks, uh, you're going you're gonna to think twice before, before taking your firearm uh, out onto the streets. Uh, once you realize the cops are away attending to protests or have become demoralized or are no longer going to be engaging in those kinds of activities, you're going to feel freer to carry your firearm. And sadly, then when a dispute uh, develops, uh, it's now going to be an armed dispute rather than an unarmed dispute, and it could lead to a shooting or a homicide.
2: Paul Cassell with the University of Utah, distinguished law professor. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for walking through the details and your findings in this legal studies research paper, again, titled Explaining the Recent Homicide Spikes in U.S. Cities, the Minneapolis Effect, and the Decline of Proactive Policing. Thanks again for your time. You bet. Absolutely fascinating. And if you really boil it down, uh, it is common sense, right? Uh, it's a question of logistics. If the police are diverted and focused in one area, there must then be left unattended areas, okay? And that is what we are seeing here. That's what this paper communicates, and that's what I believe to be true. Uh, quick break. When we return, I want to talk to you about a proposal from Senator Romney from back in December. Others are starting to pick this up, we'll see where it goes. It's the idea of paying ch- parents for having their children.